0: Welcome to the Harlan Cone Podcast. Today, I'm here with one of my favorite people, Aaron Ezra. Aaron, hey, man, you got a great voice.
1: Oh, thank you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's great to see you again. Thank you. Have you ever done voiceover work? You know, it's funny. I, um, I, I did record a voiceover once, um, when, uh, actually at my very first job, now that I think about it, uh, yeah. where, uh, where I, I was working at an ad agency, uh, but then they ended up not using it. So, so I was sad it was for a product that, that, uh, they, they never ended up actually launching. Wow.
0: Well, I think you have a, a rich and vibrant voice, uh, Thank you, my friend. I yeah, appreciate right. it. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's easy listening. You just need like a sax under it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and this, will, this will be good. So if you don't know, Aaron is, uh, well, you know, because you're Aaron, but you are our chairman of Plan A Technologies. Right. So for people who don't know what Plan A Technologies is all about, can can you help people to understand what you're chairman of?
1: Yes. So Planet Technologies is a technology company, uh, as the name suggests, that builds all sorts of really, really cool software for companies all over the world. Uh, We work with both tiny little startups where it's two people just getting going for the first time and they have their new idea that we come in and help bring to life all the way through to the gigantic multi-billion dollar Fortune 100 companies who are saying you know, we'd like you to modernize this thing or fix this other thing or help us launch something or help us after a cyber attack or whatever it is. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun because every client comes with a very different set of problems that they're wrestling with. And uh, it keeps things really interesting because we get a chance to always work on many, many different kinds of things that we're either building, uh, fixing or modernizing. Okay. Well, that's very helpful to add some context here because today
0: the goal of our conversation is to help people who are new on the job or maybe starting their first professional job. All right. They got the job. They're so excited. They want to keep the job. They don't want to mess up. They don't know how to dress. They don't know how to (laughs) talk to people. Should they bring their lunch? Shouldn't they? Uh, how do you interact? Because most people haven't been in a in an office setting. You know, maybe they've had an internship. But I would love for you today to help us to understand during the first 90 days, you know, maybe 180 days, maybe 182 days, however many days, what's the magic amount of days you think it takes someone to transition to the workplace, Aaron?
1: You know, we we hire a lot of young folks who are are out of school um, and, you know, we hire a lot more seasoned people as well. And the what's interesting is how different the advice is for someone who is a more seasoned employee who is coming on board and is expected in those first 90 to 180 days to have a plan to execute against that plan, understand how they're going to, you know, impact their organization versus what we're talking about today, where you talk about that new grad who's like, look, I don't know anything about what we're supposed to work on here. You got to help me out. Uh, And most organizations have some kind of an onboarding program. Um, Now, sometimes those onboarding programs are fantastic and comprehensive, and they're connecting you with other people and doing a lot more handholding. More and more organizations do not do that, where new grads will get a little bit of an orientation and then be thrown into the deep end of the pool. But the expectations are quite different for, for uh, young people who are right out of college, who are just getting started most reasonable organizations. And again, I will say that uh, again and again, I think probably today because there are always a lot of exceptions of people who are totally, totally unreasonable, Uh, but most reasonable organizations will, um, you know, give people the opportunity when they first come on board to Uh, Be paired with a mentor. Uh, Usually that's going to be somebody who is not way older than them, but a little bit older. And has kind of been through this process before. Uh, They'll give that person an orientation to what both the company is all about and what their particular responsibility needs to be. So, Sometimes, um, you know, that might be uh, 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 kind of written out in a very formal way where you're watching videos and reading a material. Sometimes it's really just kind of shadowing somebody and sitting alongside them as, as they're doing their work. But, you know, I think for a new person coming in, uh, it's both really exciting and really scary. And a lot of organizations um, that aren't as good at, at onboarding new people make that transition unnecessarily hard. Um, uh, you know, for, for, I mean, in my own experience, I worked uh, at a lot of different jobs when I was young and some of those organizations did a great job and some did not, you know, I had, I had one company where my very first day on the job, uh, the guy said, all right, um, you're supposed to be like our marketing person now this is my second job so i wasn't very far out of school but he said you're supposed to be helping us with marketing you worked at this other ad agency before so um you know do your thing that was it that was it i knew nothing about the company i knew nothing about what my thing even was to do i was completely lost and absolutely miserable and so you know uh i think for a new person coming into an organization there are a few things to make sure you're doing Uh, whether or not they have a great program or not, ask a lot of questions, make friends with people who are there, not only the uh, other new people you're starting with, but also some of the existing people who are already there. Uh, One of the main determinants of success at a job is actually does that individual uh, get along with their coworkers? Do they have friends? And, you know, that's, that's absolutely critical. And, you have this nice window in those first 90 days where you are expected to ask a lot of questions. One of the things that I often did um, when I started jobs, both at the beginning of my career and later in my career, is I would actually say to people, hey, can we go to lunch? And I would just do that all the time. And you know, a lot of people are like, well, I can't go to lunch today, but I could, You know, how about uh, two weeks from now on Wednesday or whatever. And then just those one-on-one lunches where you say, so tell me, how did you get here to the company? What are some of the things that, some of the mistakes you made? What advice do you have for me? People love talking about their own stories and their own experiences. And in asking people for that kind of advice early and often in those first 90 days, several things happen. One, you actually learn what to do Two, those people who you take the time to reach out to become advocates for you. They're like, I kind of like that guy or that gal. The person was awesome. And now there, you can kind of touch base with them, not too frequently, but, you know, every couple months and just say like, Hey, you know, uh, how's it going? And it's just another friendly face in the hallway that you can meet. And that's, that was incredibly helpful to me when I first got started. Um, don't, don't sort of just say, okay, I get it. If you don't get it, um because that's where that's where you know you you sort of run into trouble. Um and I have a whole lot of other advice as well uh, for for those first 90 days, but
0: oh this is so great. This is awesome. I love it. There's so much there's so much to unpack. I want to know how does someone I got a lot of questions for you, okay? That's so great. That's so interesting and I'm sure a lot of people have questions. One thing that jumped out was like when you are at that first job, it sounds like it was a good onboarding experience. Second job where they're like, do your thing. You know, if someone hears this, do your thing, you get to a job and they don't give you clear instructions. Can you walk us through that scenario to ease some, some new graduates anxiety? So,
1: um, One of the things that I think is really intimidating to new people when they're first starting in a job is they feel like everybody's smarter than them. At least most people do. Everybody's smarter than them. They know like so much more and they're like, oh my gosh, I I just don't want to look dumb. I don't want them to think like, oh my God, we've made a terrible mistake. We never should have hired you. You're out. I can't believe you asked that question. And so I see this in a lot of the young people um, uh, today where a lot of those folks will come in. And, you know, something will be a task will be presented to them and will somebody like a manager will say, "Okay, you got it. Are Are you all good? And the person will say, yes, I got it. And they do not got it. They do not understand. And they're too afraid to raise their hand. So if you're in a situation like that. You know, the only time you get in trouble for asking questions is if you're asking like the same questions over and over again or you've already been taught this stuff several months ago and you still haven't picked it up, then, you know, okay, that's a different story. But right in the beginning, that's when you should be asking questions. And, you know, one of the things that I always did in that, and I still have it right now, I always have a notebook with me all the time. And so I take notes on this stuff. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. I was
0: looking for my pen. I was trying to be cool during this. (laughs) Because I was like, you know, I don't really need to be so cool. I was looking for my pen because you were saying so many great things. And I think even during that conversation, like if you're asking questions and you forget your notebook or your pen,
1: go get it. Yes. Oh, it's okay to you know,
0: So say, you know, Hey, do you mind if I, if I get my pen real fast and my notebook, because right. Like you need to, you need to have that. It's hard to remember these things. You don't look like a moron. You look like someone who, who cares, who, right? Cause I can't remember everything.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's that's so right.
0: hard. So I love, I love that. So you walk around. So like young Aaron, you know, new, new, new Aaron on the job is walking around with a notebook.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And, and, and I would, I would, you know, at the beginning of every meeting, I would take notes. Unless somebody told me, don't take notes in this, which almost never happened. But, you know, generally, I was trying to understand and categorize, all right, here's this person's name and this person's name, because everybody's going to know each other and you're not going to know them. so
0: smart, man. So, yeah, yeah. You write down the people's
1: names as you meet right, them. And then right, you drop right, right. of them. That, yeah, so I'd be like, "This is that's like George, uh, super loud guy who had a lot of good points." Lisa uh, didn't say anything in the whole meeting and looked kind of angry. And then I, it would help me remember, like, "Okay, that's George, that's Lisa again," and, and for 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 later, you know. And then just you know, one of the things I think that's really helpful as well is, you know, not only asking for guidance, which is totally appropriate, but understanding the culture of your organization. Because different in the professional services kind of world, or most for for most organizations, at some companies, it's okay to be suggesting things right out of the gate and be like really vocal. And they love that. But many, many other organizations have a more conservative approach where that is not okay. So, for instance, in that first ad agency that I worked at, we were doing a big presentation to a huge multi-billion dollar company and they were kind of talking about some things and i did what i thought was a pretty good idea so i made the suggestion said, hey you know what i think another way we could do the ad would be to do it like blah 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 blah, blah. And I, I sort of gave my idea and actually the client was like that's kind of cool that's kind of cool you should promote this guy so i was thinking like i just kicked butt i did awesome and then afterwards my supervisor just was incredibly pissed off and he's like we specifically decided not to do that. I've I've been, I've been arguing not to do that. That's what the competition wanted to do. We tried to distinguish ourselves from that. And I was just like, Oh my God, geez, I'm sorry. And he's like, your first two years in the job, you listen, you don't speak, you listen. It's part of the reason I quit that job. That was, (laughs) but, but still that was the, the culture of that, that organization. And so it's important to understand, you know, where it, What's a, what's acceptable and what's not, you know, um, at another at another company that uh, I was running in the past, we had one young person that we hired right out of school who at first was making some really great suggestions, but then took it too far and was, you know, writing letters and, and, and emails, copying leadership like these are all the things I've observed that the company is doing poorly, and would copy like a lot of people on that, and was not diplomatic at all. So those are things to just understand.
0: Yeah. So a couple thing. things. A couple things just to make sure people understand. If if you have your notebook and you're talking about someone being loud or aggressive or unpleasant, make sure you don't leave the notebook in the boardroom. <laughs>
1: right. Yes. Yes. For sure. For sure.
0: <laughs> or you could have code words. You could have initial. Yeah. You know, so that people can't decode what you're really thinking.
1: That's right. That's
0: right. When it comes to, and I'm, I'm listening to this through the ears of someone who's super anxious and is so afraid of doing what you did, Aaron, like you're like um, Emily in Paris. I don't know if if you've seen that. Mm -hmm. Sure. sure, Yeah. And they like, Emily went to Paris and you know, in France, there's a whole different culture and she's this American who's disrupting things and, you know mm-hmm. she survives because it's it's a show by Darren Starr. <laughs> but um, how can someone who's new to a culture, you know, how do they know to ask this? like in that list of questions that they ask their mentor, you know, should this be one of those questions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. What kind of organization is this? like you know what what? you know some of the questions that i would ask when i would first come in you know and that i did ask in my first job were like you know how how can i be successful what are the things how am i going to be measured you know that's really important because um there are these uh things that people will talk about this uh you'll hear this acronym kpis a lot key performance indicator so every Uh, department and every manager and director and vice president has their own KPIs, uh, things that they're held accountable for. Like maybe it's how efficient are you? How much money are you making or saving the company? How successful is this new product that you're making? Whatever it is. And, um, And so it's important to understand your boss's KPIs and your boss's boss's KPIs. And then yours as well, so that you can understand here's what I have to do to succeed, and here's what I have to do to help my team to succeed right that's that's ultimately the main goal. and for most of these organizations, when they hire a new person, they want to make sure that a like is this person normal like cool and in turn like can I hang out with them? Are they nice? are they being like difficult are they being super weird in some way that's like not in keeping with the culture of the company like that's one thing but they're also looking at how proactive is this person and this is one of the big things that a lot of organizations struggle with uh the new people who come in don't know what they can say or not say or whatever and a lot of young people will just kind of wait quietly like all right i'm waiting for somebody to give me something to do and that is not how you should do things at an organization. Whether or not you're, you're um, new or, or, or not new, when you come into an organization, you, if you don't have anything to do, raise your hand and ask for more to do. Similarly, if you have way too much to do and it's completely impossible, raise your hand and let them know this is this is way too much. This is a job for like three people. This is not possible.
0: So if I'm thinking like that person who's like, I'm overwhelmed and this is too hard or I'm like, a you know, I'm at a law firm and I and, you know, I've got briefs to do and depositions to translate. And, mm-hmm. you know, and the first year is supposed to be hell and I'm working 80 hours a week. So am I going to raise my hand and say this is too much or am I just going to? talk to the mentor and say, Hey, I feel overwhelmed.
1: Is this normal? Like what's the best, what's the best way to to deal with that? You know, so, so the, there are, you can always go to not only a mentor character and, and, uh, or, or even if they haven't been formally assigned as your mentor, somebody who's been in that job for a year or two already, um, you can talk to them. You can also talk to HR, but before you go to HR, talk to those other people, just to say, Hey, is this normal? Because it's hard to know what normal is when you've never done it before. So, you know, you have certain, let's take that law firm example. So you have people, you know, going in, all right, I'm going to have to work my butt off. This is going to be a lot. I'm going to be overwhelmed. And you have situations where you can kind of push through it. But then there are always going to be those situations where maybe like, two of the partners weren't coordinating and one person gave you a crazy amount of work, but then another person also gave you a crazy amount of work, not realizing you had the crazy amount of work from person one. And so suddenly like, that's not possible. And you you need to, you need to raise your hand about that because otherwise you're just going to fail. Right. And everybody's going to be upset and say, why the heck didn't you tell me this? You know, it's, it's, it's super important to over-communicate. And to let that your team, your supervisors understand, all right, here's, I, I still have bandwidth, raise your hand. If you still have time to do work because they want to make sure that you are as valuable as possible. And they like people who are volunteering for things. But once you're, if you get too overworked, you should also raise your hand and say, look, this is a little challenging because, you know, I, I just worked 14 hours yesterday on this. And now uh, you're giving me another like 20 hours of work that I'm supposed to do for tomorrow. I, I don't know if that's possible. And so those are the things that you need to be communicating. Because if you don't, the supervisors then will say, "Why the heck didn't you tell me this, man?" Or like, "This is this is ridiculous. You got to communicate with us." And so that that is really important. And and talking to somebody who's been in the on jo- the job for a year or two, they can help level set and let you know, like, "Yes, that's pretty normal." Or actually, that's that's crazy. You should you should talk to somebody about that.
0: I'm thinking of Plan A you hire 3% of the applicant pool. You know, it's really highly selective. So if you get this job, you know, it's a great job. You're really excited. And you know, you you probably think that who you you, you know, you and the rest of the team think someone's very capable. So then somebody gets in the position and they're overwhelmed because the work is too difficult or maybe yeah. the coding is more complex and that person who's feeling imposter syndrome and thinking I don't belong here how do you how do you create the dynamics so someone can maneuver in that environment and not feel like they're not enough?
1: So some of the things that we do at Plan A, not only do we have a formal mentor program, but our HR staff actually checks in with each person on the team on a regular basis to make sure that they're happy. And we have big team meetings and, and we have, uh, you know, all sorts of different one-on-ones So there are a lot of opportunities for somebody to raise their hand. And in fact, we directly ask them, like, how are you doing? Is everything okay?" Now, for the people who first come in. Of course, that imposter syndrome feeling is real and is shared. And there are times where you have to just sort of say, like, I can do this. Let's make this thing happen and go forward. However, there are other times where people genuinely are overwhelmed or genuinely can't do the job. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't stay at the company. Uh, We have somebody on our team who just last week is, is a terrific person on the team, terrific contributor, could not do the job, was totally failing in the job, but was interested in and able to do a different job at the company. This person had made a great impression. Everyone likes this individual. And so we didn't fire the person. We just moved them to a more appropriate job. And so that's also a possibility, and is something that if you feel like, geez, for one reason or another, this isn't the right fit. Maybe I can do it, but I actually hate it. I thought I, this was going to be a lot more fun than it is, or um, you know, I have a difficult person or team that I'm working with. All of you can ask to be moved to another another division or another group or another area. Just know that most companies that that I've worked with will generally do that once for like a new grad. But if you're like, and actually the second area is also bad, then then they usually don't do it again. Um, They'll they'll kind of assume like this person's not a fit.
0: Right. But I love that idea that if you get into this position and it just doesn't align with your expectations and it just doesn't work before you leave. And start to resent the company or your supervisor or your team to just kind of, step out a little bit and talk to the people in your corner and explain and then see if there's another move within. I and I don't think most I don't think most people think about that. So it's you know that's a really great point when it comes to getting comfortable with the uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, one other thing that I think um is important to note too uh, on this is that you know most new grads are used to an environment that is, you know, very school like and academic in nature where you're, you're learning, you're trying your best, you're, you know, grappling with ideas. Um, and in most businesses, the goal is not to learn. The goal is in in the business environment, it's to make money. <laughs> and so that's something that is sometimes at odds for a lot of new grads, where where new grads will come in and say, well, I don't want to do this. Um, you know, I want it like I'm interested in learning for me. I want to, like, broaden my career. I want to, like, understand how to do things for my next job. And they'll actually say that to their supervisor. So meanwhile, the supervisor is saying, like, wait a minute, you're already planning your next job. So you just this isn't about like what I can teach you. It's about what you can contribute to the company. And there is a and I know that that's sort of a more, you know, like. I don't know, old guy, <laughs> grumpy a uh, uh, Smithers type character who's saying this is what's going on. But it is actually a transition that's really difficult for some people to make um, where they're like, well, I am doing this for me, not for the company. And the company's leaders are like, no, we need, I mean, great. We hope you get stuff out of it too, but we need you to do stuff for the company. We're, you're trying to contribute to the health and strength of the company um, to make it stronger, not just do something that's going to only be fun for you. Um, and so that, that's a, that's a transition that, um, you know, every job is going to have things that are cool and things that are not cool. And when you're a new grad coming in on average, there are more things that you have to do that are a lot of the grunt work as you're kind of learning the business. And some people are really, really not comfortable with or willing to do that, uh, initially. Um, Similarly, the other thing I would say on that same note is that, um, In an academic environment, you can complain about somebody and be like, yeah, that teacher sucks. Like, you know, that's ridiculous. That that guy was, you know, an idiot or whatever. In a corporate environment, if you say stuff like that, that often is repeated back and is totally unacceptable and can get people fired. So you must be significantly more diplomatic in a corporate environment, than you would be in an academic environment um, where you're really treating people with respect. And even if somebody's like your work buddy, just understand that no matter what you say to that work buddy, that may be repeated um, and that may be shared with HR. And, you know, Certain things are really, really unacceptable and can can get you fired. If if you say it in a work world, that in an academic environment, they're like, ah, they're still learning. They're a college student, right. Oh. right?
0: I wish there was a list. I mean, people can have some sensibility and 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 understand that. But you know, can you just like check a few boxes of just things that you just absolutely sh- shouldn't say or do that might seem obvious but are just like you don't do this.
1: Well, there's a lot of like you know. So for instance. <clears throat> For instance, in in an academic environment, protest is encouraged. You want to say like, look, I align with this particular, you know, political belief system or religious belief system, or I believe that this policy change is really critical and necessary. And that's encouraged in in academia. When you're in a university environment, like you're going out and protesting for X, Y, or Z, that's great. Cool. You know, but... A lot of companies will say our policy is that we do not talk about that here. You can't, you can't do that. And a company is going to often ha- like have people of dramatically different, you know, political leanings and uh, who feel super, super strongly about it. And the company's goal is to say, look, come in, do your job. Do not get into that <laughs> here. It, this is not the appropriate forum for that. Both with your colleagues and with our clients and customers. And again, that's something that is a real transition, you know, because there's a lot that falls under those categories.
0: Well, that brings up and, and that brings up the whole idea of your social media and how you behave on social media once you are an employee versus how you behave when you are a student. And can you, you know, doesn't matter what you do. Can you
1: do whatever you want? Like <laughs> how did that change? Well, you know, before you work at a company, when you are a student, you are a representative of yourself. Now, to some degree, you're a representative of the university. If you do something really messed up, then they're gonna say so-and-so, a student at blah, blah, blah university, and then it looks bad on the university too. But for the most part, most people understand, okay, you're a college student, that's gonna happen, You know, people are gonna do their thing and you're representing yourself. But as a company, as a corporate employee, Every corporate employee is to one degree or another representing the company as well. And so you have countless difficult, awful situations where people will do things completely inappropriately on social media. And then they're like, so-and-so, an employee at this company. And now the company's reputation is actually hurt and potentially their ability to you know work with certain kinds of clients or whatever is potentially hurt based on what one individual is doing on social media that's totally inappropriate and so that's often grounds for dismissing somebody whether it's good or not you agree with that or not that's what a lot of companies do so that's something to just be mindful about is that you know as with all things you know you must in the corporate world act professionally it doesn't mean that you can't make jokes uh, but the jokes should be gentle jokes and not <laughs> offensive jokes right. doesn't mean that you can't have fun and smile and, and, and do all these great things. You know, companies don't want robots. They want, you know, real, real individuals, but at the same time, it's, it's critical to be mindful of how you're presenting yourself visually, how you're presenting yourself online, the words that you're using, how you're talking to people, being respectful, being thoughtful. Uh, that's, that's really important right,
0: so understand the company's policy when it comes to social media and what is acceptable and what's not at plan A do you have something in your employment agreement that mentions social media?
1: Yeah, we have sort of a, a code of conduct for all all staff, and so you know in addition to um being respectful of others and and uh, you know and um supporting, you know, human rights and, and and things like that. Absolutely. You know, we, and, and we kind of take it on a case by case basis. We've been fortunate enough at, at plan A to not really run into this. Uh, but years ago, I worked as a crisis consultant, actually, for a number of companies. And boy, it was crazy. Some of the things that people would would say and do. And, you know, there are a lot of different forums where this stuff can get really weird um you know for example a lot of companies have corporate get-togethers and corporate parties right sometimes there's alcohol at those corporate parties and people will get a little drunk and do things they shouldn't do and that reflects very very badly on you and again on the company and you know that's difficult now we have obviously have a lot more people who are at home talking on zoom meetings and and uh, uh you know in that scenario sometimes there are people who will you know show up to a, show up to a meeting with uh, some very inappropriate background behind them. And you got to make sure of that. You got to, you know, pay attention to those things. And so just always think about presenting yourself in the most professional polished way that you can. I want to hit on the corporate party
0: piece, because when there are functions where there's alcohol available, or there's a retreat and someone's used to you know having a few, like, What is your advice during that first year, you know, for those, and I bet you've seen this, right? I'm sure you've seen people like who have just gotten carried away. Mm -hmm. So if there are some rules, because these are, everything you're saying is so important and so great. And I'm trying, what I'm trying to do is also if there was like a checklist of like, okay, when you're going to a corporate party, when you're going, and there's alcohol available, like what's, what's a good
1: rule to follow. Uh. you know, different people will tell you different things. Of course, my advice, you know, uh, would just be to not have more than like one, <laughs> you know, not have more than a beer, and that's about it. Uh, you kind of hold it around, you know, nurse it a little bit there, because you know those are difficult situations, not only for new grads but also for a lot of the older people at the company who have been there for a while, some of whom have let their guard down a little bit more and are will get drunk sometimes that stuff will happen or will say really inappropriate things, you know what's more is you have environments where you have more established big company kind of corporate environments, and then you have more, you know, cool young startup type environments um, or environment where there's an owner of the company, or some very very senior people at the company who maybe helped found it, or are SVPs or whatever, where they feel like they can't get fired and they can do whatever they want. And so it's important to um, to just at least for your behavior, always be professional, even if other people are being unprofessional. Right. Um, and that way, you know, you can keep everything very above board. You can you can always say, look, I did the right thing. I didn't cross any lines. Um, Also, I think it's important to understand that the different generations often still have very, very different feelings about things like humor or, you know, distance and how far away they're standing, not only different generations, but different people from different cultures. If you have a very multicultural um, uh, and diverse uh, uh, employee workforce. So, you know. I saw as a crisis consultant a lot of times where there were these really sad kind of misunderstandings where one person would be, you know, speaking very, very close to another individual because in that person's culture, that was okay and that was normal. And they would often like, you know, pat the person on the back or whatever. And then the other person wouldn't in- interpret this as like threatening or intimidating. And so those can be difficult situations to, to work through. Um, so I think it's important to just understand, just like in a university, I mean, most universities have the same sort of thing, but you just don't deal with people of as many different generations. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is really important to understand that you're walking into an environment where there are probably people from lots of different parts of the world, from lots of different generations who are coming with their own cultural kind of expectations and understandings of what's appropriate. And you know, I try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, if there's somebody who's crossing a line, then, then that's really, really important to bring up to HR.
0: So I think that's great. And there's it's great to to know that there's different ways you need to behave, behave in different environments. And it's really hard to know the answers to all these different questions. So when I frame transition, it's people, places, and patients, right? It it works whenever we're going from one place to another. It's what do I want? What makes me uncomfortable? People, places, patients, Right. So this idea of going in with a want, what you want your first 90 days to be or your first year to be. And then it's people. And the people part is really what I wanted to I want to give people some really great information on how to find their people. So when it comes to if you're interviewing for a position or looking at a company mentoring, you know, how you find your people. Uh I think that's a really important aspect. Would you would you agree like during the during the interview process, it seems like a lot of this starts early. You know, it's not just about getting paid a lot of money or getting yeah. paid the most you can get paid. It's that, that other aspect. So even speaking to when someone's interviewing and if they're concerned about a lot of the things you're mentioning, because it's scary to walk into an environment like this, what are some of the questions they can ask before they even get get on the job or a question they can ask when they're offered the job? To really help set them up for success in all aspects, specifically the the support and community aspect.
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, this has become an even bigger issue over the last couple of years, given how many people are working remotely. And, you know, especially that can be hard for a new grad who, you know, goes into a work environment where they're not actually interacting with other people in an office in, in any way. Um, But I think, you know, some of the questions that, you know, you can ask are, again, what are the the mentorship programs, what are the training and onboarding programs that you have, what advice do you have for new grads who are coming in, like what, you know, what you can say to your interviewer is, you know, look, um, this is my first job, (laughs) I'm really excited about it, other than maybe my internships that I had or some job that I had, you know, over the summer, Um, you know, you've now seen other young people like me coming in, what separates the people who are successful and end up having a wonderful career here from the people who, you know, end up leaving after six months or a year. Uh, and that'll tell you a lot. Yeah, you know, their, their approach there. Uh, the other thing is it's, it's natural for us when we find somebody who we really like many of us say like, okay, I found my, I found my, my BFF all right, we're good. And like, then just hanging out with that one or two people at the company. Don't do that. Fight that urge. You know, that's important. Have your BFF, have your friends and your your buddies, but um, make sure that you are, even if you're an introverted person, you're kind of forcing yourself to get out there. And if there's a company function, go to the darn function. You know, if you're invited to something, uh, you know, you're invited to a dinner or a lunch or whatever, go. You know, you want to be getting out there and and doing that. And if you're not being invited, like I mentioned earlier, ask other people, uh, you know, hey, can we go to lunch? Um, You know, could we if you have like an employee cafeteria, want to go grab a coffee or something like that and chat for a little bit. I'd love to just get your advice. I'm new. I'm just trying to learn everything. Again, most new people don't do that. And so the people. Yes. Yeah. I was just going to say the people who are proactive and not only in their outreach, but are proactive in asking for more work are proactive in suggesting ideas. That's great. You know, like one of the things that I would do uh, when I started jobs is I would, after the first 60 days or so, I would write up my observations in like a, you know, three page real little report and just say to my boss, by the way, I'm just sharing this with you, but here's some of the interesting things I noticed. Here's some maybe opportunities for us or whatever. And Every single one of those people said, no one's ever done this before. That's, this is great. This is really helpful. And they they were like, you met with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'd say, yeah, I, I had lunch with all these people. I had coffees in the cafeteria with these people. This person told me this, this person told me that here's some interesting things. I could probably help out with this project and this project and this project. And then they're like, ah, all right, you're somebody who I can turn to. You're somebody who's going to get things done. Don't just wait for people to hand things to you yeah that's great now I mean I love
0: that and I have this fear of looking like a kiss ass um you know I was at uh, I interned to the tonight show uh one summer and I would talk to the writers and ask them how did you become a writer and it was kind of like my thing and uh I was really curious and I wanted to know I was excited and um I asked this one guy in, in the in the And they're like, it was like where they had Snapple and bagels and all the stuff. And Jay would walk
1: in. I've been in a couple of those writer's rooms. I know. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. So I was like the intern in charge of making sure everyone had their food and and beverages. And uh, asked this one guy. I'm like, I'm like, hey, you know, I was just curious. Like, how did you become a writer on The Tonight Show? And he turned to me and he goes, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, I will never like you. (laughs) And he walked (laughs) out. And I was like horrified. Yeah, <laughs> like, dude, I was yeah. not looking. Like, I just wanted to get to know people.
1: Yes, yes. Dude,
0: shut me down, and I was like yeah. devastated. So, like, if you ask people to have coffee and they shoot you down in the most, you know, hurtful rejection, like, how do you recover?
1: Yeah. So, so I would say two things to that. Um, first, there are certain industries, the entertainment industry being one of them. Where you have a huge number of people who are totally, totally inappropriate and believe that that it's cool to haze the new people. I, I had the exact same thing, man. I had the exact same thing when I when I was, you know, interacting with some of those people earlier in my career. And um, you know, and that's look, that's just gonna be the kind of environment it is. And for some people, they're like, hey, that's fine, that's cool. And for some people, they're like, this is lame. Forget it. I don't want to do this. Um, It's part of the reason I actually decided I wanted to focus a lot more on the business side of things versus the entertainment side of things, because I saw some of the exact same things that you did. And you see that in a number of different companies where there are people who will just Feel like, all right, the new person's got to get, you know, all the super crappy work to do. We're going to make them, you know, not only serve everybody the food, but take all the notes and carry all the bags and do all the stuff. And, you know, that's outdated and lame, but there's still a lot of companies that that do that. I would say that if that's the kind of thing that you don't have the patience for, you certainly don't need to put up with it. There's so many opportunities out there and you don't have to work at a company like that. You know, the companies where you see that the most, I think, are the companies where there's a tremendous amount of competition, especially like in places like entertainment, in some, uh, you know, uh, things like, like the fashion world, for instance, or, you know, in certain kinds of tech companies, like you see that too, where they just have so many applicants and a lot of the people get this like quasi God complex where they feel like, Hey, I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want, but you know, you don't need to put up with that. And if that's not the kind of environment you want to work in, there's plenty of other companies out there. Right.
0: And then the idea of looking like a kiss ass, if you're asking everybody to coffee and it's like, Oh, here's the new guy. That's Aaron, Uh, man. He kisses a lot of ass. You know, he's taking everybody out to lunch and coffee. What does he think he's trying to prove?
1: Well, you know, um, I think that, uh, the people who would be more likely to do that might be other new people who are starting, who are not taking those steps, but there's no reason why they shouldn't. You know, I mean, most organizations, not all, but most organizations, once you're in, it's not a competition with the other people, right. you know, in a perfect world, if a company hires all these new people, all the new people want to stay and they all end up doing well and contributing. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, I haven't, I haven't seen that too much, nor have I ever felt that when a young person that I've hired has asked that of me, you know, I think, oh, OK, good. Finally, somebody's doing this. He's he's, or he or she has the guts to you know, say, hey, let's let's talk. What can I be how, what can I do to be successful? I want more people to be proactive in that way. So I don't think you have to worry about it from the supervisors or the people you're asking but maybe potentially from other uh, jealous coworkers I suppose who are, who are not doing that but look you can't let those people hold you back in life and 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 uh that's just going to happen sometimes yeah i mean i'm
0: sure you've faced plenty of people who have criticized you i mean when you're the founder co-founder leader you know you're you're a villain <laughs> i try not to be a villain but, but you mean, know it, you it, can't it, please everybody and yeah 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 the universal rejection truth of being a manager or an owner is that not everyone is always going to love you and your decisions.
1: The way that I describe it to the team, if I have to give an individual really bad news, like, hey, we have to let somebody go or something, is that, you know, we are like a collective. And a company, a company as a collective has to look out for the health of that collective. Mm -hmm. And you have to think, how do I preserve our company? How do I take care of our people? And then how do we also take care of our clients and our customers who are paying us to help them? And if there is somebody who is not doing their job, either because they're not able to do their job, they don't care enough, they're actively sabotaging things or whatever, even one really negative person can have this terrible ripple effect on the rest of the organization or at least the rest of the department that they work with. And so you, you, you just can't have it. And if you have too many of those people who are not pulling their weight, the whole collective starts to crumble. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, there's a, there's a way to do that and, and, and to work through that, but for, for our new grads who are, who are entering the workforce, I just have a couple more questions for you. And, um, you know, you make things easy. Like, that's the thing. Like you, it seems from our conversations, like you know, try to yes, uh, yes. I mean, want, I mean, you want people to learn and, and grow, and I think that's a, that's a wonderful piece. When somebody is accepting a job offer, and they're offered a contract for the first time, should somebody just <laughs> let put you in, a, in, a, in an interesting position? You can answer as much as you want. <laughs> but when someone's given uh, a, a job offer, should they just accept it, or should they? you know, ask for more. Like, I think a, a person who's starting a job is probably just so grateful to work that they're so afraid, but then from everybody who I've heard advise people who get jobs is the first offer is just the first offer and you should ask for more. I don't, are you willing to answer that question? Or is that- well,
1: I think it, look, I think it's very different for different companies. Yeah. So there are companies that essentially have like a fixed starting salary. And they're like, look, this is the salary that everybody starts at. If you want it, cool. If not, no problem. We'll get somebody else. And there are, you know, I'm talking for new grads specifically here. Yeah. Obviously, there's a whole different set of strategies for, for, for other folks. But that that is very frequently the case. And so other companies have much more discretion. So, you know, they might you could say, hey, can I get a signing bonus, for instance? And then maybe the company says, "All right, we don't usually do a signing bonus, but we'll do a signing bonus if you agree to stay for two or three years. And if you don't, then you have to pay back some prorated portion of the signing bonus." Um, you know, it just it it just depends. Uh, there are some companies who are totally comfortable with having people doing who do the same job at completely different levels and of pay um and so and it'll be extremely difficult to figure out if the company that you're interviewing for is one of the companies that everyone starts at the same level or one of the companies that has more flexibility and is willing to be more flexible i would say you know in general it doesn't hurt to ask but don't think that if the company says no we can't do that for one reason or another that they don't want you um you know that's something i think that um people can get really you know heard about if the company like turns them down and says we're not we're not willing to do that yeah. uh, so you know you want to be an advocate for yourself of course but you just you also have to be understanding that like these different companies are dramatically different in their in their approaches to this so um, what's the, it, what are the words to ask you know if, if someone were to ask the
0: person who you know is the the final step of the process you know can you just model even a conversation or way of approaching that
1: I, I think look, it's it's very straightforward. You basically say like you know, is there a way we can get the salary up a little bit more? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's all you need to say, you know, like. Or sometimes somebody might have two offers, and there's a company that really wants them, but the person just got an offer from another company, and that offers for somewhat more money, and then and then they're trying to compare and contrast. But I would say, you know, your first starting salary has no bearing on where you're going to be later don't take your first job based on the initial starting salary i mean you know why not it 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 is very short-sighted take your first job based on what you think you're going to enjoy doing and what you think is going to contribute and help you in your career over time yeah because you know um i've I've, my first starting salary, I wasn't able to pay my rent. (laughs) I wasn't, I had no money for anything at all. Um, And now I do. And like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it it, it didn't have any, I mean, it's, it, you, your career isn't going to be the straight path for most people, their careers go all over the place and they take all these different jobs. Most people over their, the course of their career actually are way too passive. And they'll take jobs based on whoever happens to give them the most money. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll take this. I guess I'll try this. And suddenly they end up somewhere and they're like, I never planned this. I had no idea. i would end up here. It's much more effective to be more thoughtful about the positions that you're taking and really think about what is going to give me the skills I need to allow me to achieve more of my long-term goals. Or if I don't know what the heck my long-term goals are, that's Okay. What job can I take that's going to give me the opportunity to learn many, many different things yeah. and get good at certain at multiple things and also just learn about multiple things? And in doing that, it opens up way more doors for you later. I think today about the jobs that I did earlier in my career. I, I had so many. And, you know, even though those jobs obviously is did not work out for me. That's not where I wanted to stay. I learned the skills that I learned from each of those different jobs. I use every single day as in my current job, you know, I was doing recruiting for a while. I do a lot of recruiting today. I was doing, you know, marketing, as we talked about in crisis. I use all those skills today. I was a business consultant and helped all these organizations with management things. I use all those skills today, you know, and so the little things that you do along the way will all add up later in life. And making a career decision like my first job based on "oh gosh, this guy's paying me three thousand dollars more than that guy" is is way too short sighted. That's not going to matter long. That's later really
0: on. that's really helpful. While you were saying that, I was thinking of playing a game with you. Okay, of um, Aaron, from your first job, where was your first job again? I know it was in advertising. You're saying.
1: Yes, yes, yes. My first job uh, was at uh, uh, a big ad agency in Chicago. Would you? Could you say the name
0: or? Yeah, it was Leo Burnett. That's exciting, Leo Burnett—a storied history. So, from Leo Burnett, your first job. Is there somebody that you met from your first job at Leo Burnett that you're
1: still in touch with? Yes, absolutely. Who? Well, uh, a couple of people actually. But uh, my friend uh, Monica is—is uh, is, you know, I met on that program as my you know when I first got started and. And she's actually this really cool uh, producer. She produces all these big ads for, you know, all these top companies. And she actually stayed in the advertising world. Um, And uh, but but, yeah, she's she's been a a friend for a long time. You could call her up and say, hi, Monica. I will. I will. Yeah, (laughs) I love
0: it. But that's your first job. Like, that's exciting because it's about people. Right. So then what was your second job?
1: Where where did you work? So my my second job was uh, the terrible job, which right. is <laughs> such a crazy story. We should probably do a, a, a show just about that because it was right. so absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> but um, but, uh, but yeah, that was a job that I took in. Uh, I, I moved from Chicago to New York, took this job. It was actually an awful job uh, in every way you can possibly imagine. It was like the most disastrous horrible everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong for me on this job uh and then uh then i took a you know took other jobs after that
0: but that job ma'am. okay so we gotta we always have like a hook at the end because last time we talked you had this post on linkedin that was you know went incredibly viral about us about someone who was interviewing for a job and didn't know the answer then showed you how they found the answer yeah, that's right which impressed you and with this one that second job that was a nightmare. The thing is now, you know, you've you've founded other companies, sold companies, you, you, you run a company. And the things you learned at that second horrible job, I would imagine that probably informed you as a leader.
1: Yes, it did. Uh the biggest lesson I learned from that job is to be honest all the time. Tell the damn truth. Uh, this guy that I worked for was. So absolutely horrible. I'll give you one tiny little nugget. Uh, He told me, Hey, I have an office in the empire state building. So get a place over there. Now I was, I had like no money. So I took my money that I had literally saved for my entire life, like mowing lawns and having my paper route and like all of the things that I, I had done for like, since I was a little kid to move to New York And to get my apartment, because he told me I have to show up to the Empire State Building. So I show up there, I get my apartment in New York. You have to pay first month, last month and security deposit. So I use up every penny that I had in my account. Go to the Empire State Building. His office isn't there. So I call and I was like, hey, uh, I'm here at the office. I'm here at the Empire State Building. You're not here. He's like, oh, I just tell people I'm in the Empire State Building. I'm actually in Connecticut. No. (laughs) No. He's that's- like you got to take the train out. I was like how? Oh, how- take the train I've never been to New York. What do I do? Like what the heck? And so yeah, we we were off to a bad start from there. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's awful. Wow.
0: Um and I got I got I got one one more question for you. Then then we're going to wrap for today. But I want to know when someone starts that job and they get to that office and they look around and one of my suggestions is you find the nicest people, right? You find the kindest people. How does someone do that? Like, is there a strategy? Is there a first step that we can give them?
1: You know, I think you'll find that some of the people will reach out to you as well. So it's not all going to be on your shoulders where you have to have to find like each individual person and figure out like how it's all going to work. You know, And and a lot of the people who take a moment to reach out or introduce themselves and say hello, those tend to be the people who are going to be more welcoming and more willing to, you know, have those lunches or just sit down in your office and chat for a little while. Or if you have a question, you know, where maybe you're embarrassed to ask your boss or something like that, you could ask one of those other people as well. Um, And so uh, those people will kind of, reveal themselves also you'll have assignments that you need to do and in those assignments whether you're building something or designing something or taking something to someone else or just you know uh uh, 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 processing something as you work with other people you'll find that some folks have a lot of patience and some folks do not and so in addition to being nice i would say look for the people who have patience because those are the people who are more willing to take the time to explain and, and, and walk you through what to do and, and all of that. And just remember too, almost nobody stays in their very first job. Yeah, That's really rare. So this is, and don't look at it. Like I said, don't look at it as a rung on a ladder that you're trying to build. Just look at it as this is one of the experiences that you're going to have in your life where you're going to learn things. You're going to meet wonderful people and have some great experiences. And if it's bad, There's a million other jobs. You can always take something else, but, you know, try to make the most of it. Try to have a great experience here and don't feel like this defines you. You know, your job does not define who you are, especially your first job. You're going to have this experience, understand that it's transitory. You'll be there for hopefully a few years and have a great experience and then you'll move on to another job and so on.
0: How long do you know until it's a how long how long should you wait before you know it's a great job or a nightmare job? Like a minimum, would you say?
1: Well, if it's a true nightmare job, you'll finally figure you'll you'll probably figure it out very, very fast. Um, I knew uh by uh by day one uh that I, I had made a terrible, terrible mistake. Um <laughs> yeah. Um the uh the I think on average though, you don't really get into the rhythm of your job for you know the first until maybe like month seven or eight. So it takes a while, you know? And and even then, like it's, you are significantly better when you get to year two than you are, you know, even at month six or seven. So um, give it some time, be patient with it, but, you know, don't be afraid to, don't feel like you're stuck. Don't be afraid to leave if you feel like, gosh, this is this is just not who I want to be. I'm, I'm, I'm not enjoying this at all.
0: Well, I love it. I love that you share your journey and people can go to LinkedIn and they can just see your different transition points, and you can also search up Aaron and you can learn about the different companies he's founded and his trajectory. Aaron, is there anything else that you wanna share if people are interested in learning more about you or Plan A technologies?
1: Well, if uh, your first job happens to be at a company that needs any kind of technology help, then please do reach out uh, to us at planatechnologies.com or uh, as you mentioned on on LinkedIn, uh, uh, where we are as well. Uh, Or similarly, if you are really fed up and you want to start your own company and and you need a little help getting that uh, first technology out the door, um, then reach out anytime. I'd love to love to help.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, thanks for being so open and available. you're very kind and uh, I'm just so grateful that that we get we're getting to know each other yeah,
1: absolutely absolutely. it's a lot of fun.
0: It's fun, man and you know we're helping people. So if anyone has more questions and you know we can have Aaron back and answer specific questions, you can let me know and we'll include uh, some bullet points in the show notes as well. and uh, Aaron man, I'm just so grateful to be here and thanks for being so generous with your time. of course. thank you for having me. Thanks.